Eight o'clock on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. All right, I've got my read, too. Yes, we are coming to you live from the Kintech studios, right. Jason. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find a perfect fit at Kintech.net. You are listening to Sportsnet 650. This is your home of the Canucks. The Canucks are currently in Ottawa, ahead of tomorrow night's game against the Senators. Joining us now, live from Ottawa, Canucks forward JT Miller here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, JT. How are you? Hey, how you doing, guys? How are you? Uh, good. Thanks for taking the time to do this today. We really appreciate it. Uh, I did want to start with just getting a sense of where the team is at. Yes, it's a vibe check. Jason told me not to say vibe check, but I'm going to roll with it. So look, um, we've heard Rick Talkett say it's important to stay humble and we don't want to let the highs get too high. And you guys have talked about it as well. But at the same time, are you guys allowing yourselves to enjoy this start? It's been a great one uh, and just sort of lean into it a little bit that things are going really well right now. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good way of putting it is uh, trying to find that balance of, you know, enjoying having, a, you know, our first good start in, you know, three, four years, but also staying in the moment and keep our keeping our day-to-day mantra going. And, you know, I think that's a good mindset for our team to have right now is not get caught up on what our record is, just focus at the task at hand and, you know, which day we're on. And we've been doing that so far, and I think we're going to continue to do that. How do you feel about your play? I feel good. Um I don't know. I feel like we've had, uh, obviously, playing in a more of a matchup role. And, you know, I just feel like our line is doing a good job of committing to checking and being on top of some good players. And, um, you know, I think we've done a pretty good job of keeping the puck out of our end for the most part. And, you know, like I said, the points, you know, they'll, they'll come and go as the season goes on. Like I said, I don't really evaluate on myself on that. But um, I've uh, definitely had some luckier ones so far this year. So, obviously, that's... Uh, That'll come back to reality, but I mean, I don't know. I feel like we're, you know, when the team plays this well, everybody looks good, in my opinion. And right now, I mean, every, you know, everything seems to be going, and we're, you know, we're not where we want to be yet either, which is exciting. I think we can have another level of our game, and um, we're learning to how we're going to create this identity right now, and it's fun. It was so much fun to watch you battling with McDavid uh, the other night, and he was clearly frustrated. Um, what's the biggest challenge? of getting a shutdown assignment, whether it's McDavid or any of the other great players in the, in the NHL? Um, well, I guess the challenge is in general is you just don't want, you have to be above your check. I mean, if you give them time and space and you're playing on their back all game, that's an advantage for them. So I think we just focus on, you know, never turning the puck over and making sure they got to go 200 feet to get us and always trusting in your structure. And, you know, I mean, obviously, McDavid's different, right? I mean, he's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, maybe the best player in the world and maybe ever, right? So, I mean, he's he's a guy that you just have to kind of glue yourself to and try to get under his skin, and, um, you know, but just it, it doesn't really change. You know, the way you play the game doesn't really – shouldn't matter if you're playing against the first line, you know, through the fourth line. It should be the same all the time, and you should play with an identity. And I think as a group in general, we've just done a better job as of late trying to get to that. It must be so tough to just like maintain your focus the whole time you're out there against McDavid because if you lose it for 0.5 seconds, he's like 20 feet away from you. 
Well, I think that's actually easier to keep your focus if that's the case, right? I mean, if you know that if, if you understand that if you lose your focus or take a shift off, there's a good chance he's going to get a scoring chance, right? So, I mean, for me, that makes it easier on staying focused and engaged. And I know for Brock and Phil as well, we're constantly looking for him and constantly waiting for him to get on the ice. And it's fun. You know, we really get up for those games and we, we love that challenge. I mean, you're playing against maybe the best player of all time, one of them. And he's, yeah, I mean, he, he's got a chance to score every time he's on the ice if he wanted to, right? So I think that's the challenge. And, um, you know, it feels good that, uh, you know, we feel like we did a good job of limiting the amount of shots and chances he got. So, uh, JT, you have been at the center of discussion in this Vancouver hockey market for a number of years. Um, you have three young kids at home. What is more chaotic, the Vancouver hockey market or your life at home? Believe it or not, the Vancouver hockey market. <laughs> <laughs> And I stand by that. No, I, it's, it's, I was just talking to my wife the other day. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's nonstop really, you know, it's, you go home and get an off day on the weekend. Um, you know, it's a day on that's for sure. It's, you know, I guess three under five at the house. I mean, it's fun. It's exciting. But when you go from chaotic at work to chaotic at home, it's definitely uh, a lot of eight o'clock bedtimes at our house, which is great. Is it, is it nice to have that though at, at home where you have those distractions? Like, you could have had a bad game or you could be the center of the, of the discussion for all the fans, but you've got three young kids that demand your attention. Yeah. I mean, that, that helps, but also you have to be able to turn it off when you leave the rink. I know that that's easier said than done sometimes, but you know, I look forward to going to the rink and I look forward to leaving the rink because I know who I'm going home to. And that's my favorite part of my day is going home to my kids and my wife and spending time with them. Cause this time of year is hard, right? With this, uh, you know, the first 20 games of the season, 30 games of the season, we spent a lot of time on the road. And, you know, I love coming home. I, I feel like I'm missing all the, their, their sports and stuff and picking them up from school. You know, those are the best times. So it's, uh, you try to cherish that stuff whenever you get an opportunity. So, JT, I always wonder about this. And, and I've wondered about this for a lot of players that have come through Vancouver, whether they be Roberto Luongo or the Sedins or anyone who's under pressure and constantly getting discussed. Like, What's it like to have your name trending on social media and have people discussing? And you've got guys like me saying, like, I think they should trade him. Like, he's, you don't want to give him a contract extension. He's 30 years old now, and that's, you know, that, that, that's ancient in the NHL. What, what's it like to have to deal with the doubters? And I guess as a follow-up, what's it like to start the season so well and kind of stick it to all the guys like me? Uh well, first of all, I don't pay, I don't really pay attention to it. I, I, like, I'm not on social media at all. You know, I have a you know I, that I mean I everything that I hear is just is stuff I hear. I don't read it, right? So I mean, I can see where if you're constantly in the media, it's getting to people. But I think that's to the person and how you are as a person. You know, I I feel like I'm you know people may not like me or they might love me. I don't know, but it, I also don't really care either way. You know, I'm going to be who I am no matter what, and um, I understand that sometimes that may look bad from people on the internet or whatever, but they're on the internet. So I could care less. And, uh, you know, I just, I'm minding my own, but I got a job to do at home and at the rink and I, you know, people that are typing it out on the internet, I could care less what they think. Uh, at the age of 30, do you try and instill or impart some of that wisdom on the younger guys? Like, Hey, maybe don't be on social media. Uh, I don't know. I, I gave up on that. Those guys, their screen time's probably three times what mine is. <laughs> I, like, 
I think it's just part of the game nowadays, and that's something I got to live with. I'm just trying to pick my battles. Do you feel like you're a bit of an old school player? Like I feel like you would have thrived in the '80s. That would have been like you would have. You were not that you're not thriving right now, but like I, I read a quote from you, and you said, uh, "You said for me, it's a lost art to quote unquote give an F, and sometimes you show it differently." Can you can you expand a little bit more on that? Um, I'm sorry, I, I kind of didn't hear you there. Can you repeat the quote again? Sorry. Oh, sorry. So the the quote, I think it was uh, an interview with uh, either it might have been with Drance in the Athletic, and he said, "For me, if you said for me, it's a lost art to quote unquote give an F, and sometimes you show it differently." Yeah, I mean, it's I. I don't know. I just like you just said. I feel like when I'm playing well, I'm playing up, you know, a hard nose in your face style of game and. I mean, like you just said, I would probably thrive in the 80s. I don't know about that, but, I mean, I definitely feel like a more old-school player. Um, the league is a more skilled league now. I mean, I think that's very obvious. I mean, lines one through four can all really play the game, and there's uh, you know, you have less and less role players. So, I mean, I guess in that sense I'd be a little more old-school. But um, I don't know. I think there, there's this constant uh, – guilt that comes with showing your emotions right and i just feel like that's not always a bad thing i mean obviously i show mine more than others but you know i think that's what makes me a good player too is that uh i'm an emotional person and i'm okay with that we're speaking to canucks forward jt miller here on the halford and bruff show on sportsnet 650 jt joins us live from ottawa uh jt one of your teammates quinn hughes what has changed about the leadership group and what changes have you seen in quinn since he's been named captain uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, in a complimentary form, like, I don't think a whole lot's changed, which is, uh, you know, Quinn and I talked before the season and, you know, we wanted, we didn't want things to really change in the room. We have, you know, a really good dynamic in the room and, you know, he's just leading by example. You know, he's our, you know, consistently been our, probably our best player since I've been here. And he's, you know, he does the, he's been more vocal than ever. He's got so much respect from his teammates and, um, you know, he's been a fantastic captain to start this season. And, um, couldn't be happier for him but at the same time I mean we're just playing better hockey as a team you know we're breaking the puck out better we're forechecking better our special teams is better Thatcher's playing unreal when you put all that together I mean you're going to get success right and then when you have guys like Petey Demmer and and Huggy uh, that can just take over a game at any moment I mean that's got to be wins if you guys are playing the right way or if we're playing the right way so um, like I said, we're enjoying right now winning some hockey games at the start of the season, trust me, because we haven't done it a lot the last few years. But at the same time, we know that if we want to keep doing what we're doing, we got to stay level-headed and just realize that you know we're going into the next game with a record of 0-0 and try to, try to win that game. And it uh, starts with a good practice in Ottawa, then we'll do it again tomorrow. And I know it's cliche for everybody trying to write a story, but honestly, we're trying to stick with that because it's, uh, you know, it's been a refreshing mindset so far. Uh, I don't want to belabor the Hughes stuff too much, but we prior to the season, we wondered openly, like, how much better can the guy play? Because he's been a fantastic defenseman for this team for the last few years, but there is a certain certain leveling up that's happened this season. It's hard not to ignore. You look around, and he's at the top of a lot of people's Norris candidate ballots already. Um, you've played with a lot of good defensemen uh, throughout your time in the NHL. Where does Hughes rank, given where he's playing and how he's playing right now? Oh, I mean, that's, I mean, that's hard, right? But I mean, on a skill level wise, I mean, I've probably never played with anybody like him. Um, he's uh, just the way he can break the puck out by himself. It's a bit of a cheat code for us. Um, the other team can do everything right. And somehow we're out of the zone. So, I mean, that and his ability to walk the blue line. And obviously he's been shooting more this year and he's getting, 
you know, he's creating his own luck and his bounces. And it's because he's firing the puck at the net a lot more. And, you know, he's already on pace to crush his, you know, his goals, whatever his personal best is. Right. So, you know, and, and there's a reason those are going in is he's by, by walking the line on both, both directions, he's creating time and space. And, you know, if there's traffic at the net, those pucks are going to find a way if he keeps doing it over and over again. And, you know, it's, I mean, those two capabilities that he has just by breaking the puck out and, you know, creating time and space in the ozone. There's not a whole lot of players in the league that can do what he's doing. With uh, Hughes and Demko and yourself and Brock Besser scoring goals right now, how badly do you want an Olympics? Oh, I, I'm going to be honest, I haven't thought about it for two seconds. Really? Um, no, not at all. Uh, we like we have a job to do with this team. We're very tight with this group. Um, you know, our our whole focus and mindset right now is with this team, and I haven't thought two seconds about the Olympics. Understandable. Well, JT, thanks for joining us. Thanks for taking the time. I know it's a busy time uh, for you and the team. Have a good practice today, and keep this uh, keep this streak going through Eastern Canada. No doubt, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks, thanks for JT. coming on. We appreciate it. Good luck against the Sens. That's JT Miller, Canucks forward here on the Halford and Brush on Sportsnet 650, live from Ottawa. Breaking news, uh, you have not impacted the life of JT Miller. He was not aware of your comments about the aging well, curve and potentially trading him. So that's, But that's interesting because I, I knew that um, he was a uh, block out the outside world guy. Like mm. he, his mindset is I'm not going to have any outside distractions that don't have a tangible effect on my playing career, my on ice performance. None of that is going to matter to me. It's hard to silo yourself off like that. Yeah. I don't know how. I don't know how you don't hear the noise in some way, shape, or form. Well, I think he hears the noise, but he mentioned like he hears it through others. You 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 hear. He doesn't go actively seek it out. Right. There's a difference between hearing, unless, hearing unless he, and listening. I unless he's lying to us, and now he's like on his phone. I'm like, I wonder how they thought of my interview. Yeah. Like, I, I it, just I don't I don't. Did get that upload sense, the though. podcast yet? That's him wondering aloud if the, the podcast. I, is, I, it's I, not. I I've told the story about talking to Horvat about social media though. Right. This was a few years ago. When, yeah. When he was, I don't even think he was the captain then. And I was kind of having an aside with him when I used to still go into the dressing room after games and be like, why, why are you even on social media? Like, what, what is to gain from it? And how many people have we heard from since then, including Horvat, mm-hmm. that have said, like, I don't do social media anymore? Yeah. And they, they might have accounts, but they're not running them. Right. I mean, I, I, and I don't even think it's necessarily a social media thing. Because I, th- I think then the conversation really starts to become about the merits and the values of social media. And then it sort of devolves into, ooh, let's complain about Elon Musk. I think the big thing, the- at its core, the question is, can you block out all the outside noise? Is it easy? Is it difficult? Do you need to be wired a certain way just as a personality? Can you learn those traits? Are there some people? I think it's that- a discipline. And there's- but there's some people that go the other way. Mm-hmm. They use it as fuel. Yeah, fuel their fire. I mean, God, go back and watch the Last Dance documentary <laughs> and listen to Michael Jordan actively seek out personal slights, Man. real or imagined, because he knew that he was wired that that would fire him up beyond anything else. That is a, I mean, and that's a really hard trait to master because you have to be one. So singularly focused in exacting revenge, but two, you <laughs> exacting ha- revenge. That's what it is. <laughs> but two, you also have to be so unbelievably skilled 
that you have the ability to do it. Like, mm-hmm. all due respect to, like, a third or fourth line plug in the NHL, they're probably not reading their ple- press clippings and being like, well, I'm going to go out and show them. No, you're getting 12 minutes a night. You're going to do your job, and you're going to try and avoid the mm-hmm. distractions. So Jordan's obviously an anomaly in this whole thing. But, like, with a guy like Can you Miller, imagine Jordan if he played during social media, though? No. Can't. He might have been unstoppable. He might have been the greatest singular force in sports history because it would have been a constant fuel. Mm-hmm. Right now, I do wonder if people would have maybe. It's so much more direct with social media. Yeah, and like, I, wonder, I wonder if less people would have poked the bear, but, but in a situation like that. Well, no, well, no, no. We, I think, I mean, Jordan didn't really respond to fans. He was like, he'd read the newspaper. Yeah, but he would respond to newspapers. Yeah, yeah, but it's just so much more direct on social media. Just the ability to search your name. Mm-hmm. Can you, like, JT Miller trended in Vancouver and across Canada on Twitter for yeah. like it seemed like three straight years. Mm-hmm. It was just like his name was out there. Mm-hmm. So I've always wondered, and it's kind of why I, why I asked him the question, like, what's that like? And now for Miller, his answer was like, I don't know. It feels like life because I'm not even aware of that. But even. <laughs> Even if you don't like go into the nitty gritty, like go on to Twitter and search your name and see all the, the the little comments, just living your life knowing that people are always discussing you, mm-hmm. I think that must be, if anything, a little bit weird. Yeah, and there's well, there's a lot that goes into the job beyond hockey, right? And part of it was what Miller talked about right off the hop with the interview. We asked him like, "Hey, it's great that you're preaching." Uh, humility and being humble and not letting the highs get too high. But how do you balance that with you got to enjoy this? Mm-hmm. You have to allow yourself to enjoy the good times. Because I always thought like Jordan's, um, the way he was wired to, I th- always thought that was a bit sad. Uh, do you know what I mean? Like, you're, what are you living your whole life to just prove people wrong? No, but look, I mean, you want to flip it on its head. It's like you need to find that edge. Yeah. In in a what? Jason looks at Michael Jordan. What a sad life <laughs> that man has. I mean, there are people that Poor say existence. that he was so obsessively competitively hardwired that yeah. he probably didn't enjoy a life or his accomplishments as much as he maybe should have. Right. Because the, the it was always about the next challenge or the next guy to step mm-hmm. to me or the next personal affront. And hey, listen, listen, just we're, we're just wired differently, obviously. Right. In many ways. In many, many ways. But I I I I don't know. Is there a better way? Is there a better way to motivate yourself? I I just think that comes down to a personal thing. Yeah, right? you can. I mean, you could try and motivate guys, and God knows, like, there's an entire industry mm-hmm. within sports built on trying to motivate. You know, but the reality of it is, and I think it's probably true. There might be some exceptions, Here, but here's the a, majority of motivation comes from within. An idea for the Michael Jordans of the world, an AI robot machine that comes up with insults that will inspire you, <laughs> yeah, and encourage totally, you to right? do well in sports. Yeah, they just have like a hire like a bot farm in Russia to, to there you go like, <laughs> criticize Michael Jordan. They come the cheap whole these time. days, five bucks. <laughs> but look, I mean Miller, like Miller's. The, look, the interesting thing about JT Miller is that there is a passion that clearly burns, and there is an emotion there that he even alluded to. He said, "I think I play better," mm-hmm. but he does not need any outside influences to drive him like you said you were trying to put it on a tee for him like do you does it feel good to kind of stick it in everybody's faces and he's like i don't i don't know i don't even know what you guys were saying like that but right there's a passion that burns from somewhere where he's just like he's fiery and he's emotional and i'm sure a lot of it has to do with being at that level 
and by that I mean the highest level, mm-hmm. and then getting to do stuff like I'm gonna go, sh- I'm gonna go annoy the crap out of Connor McDavid tonight. I'm going to shut him down. Yeah, that's a challenge that most of us one couldn't even come close to meeting. We'd fall way short if we tried to do it. So being one of the few handful of people on the planet that can go out and, I mean, look that game against the Oilers the other night, Miller won that matchup head to head decisively. Right? That wasn't just sawing off the best player, and as he put it, the best player maybe ever. Mm-hmm. He didn't just saw him off and play him to a draw. He got really under his skin. But he also scored when McDavid didn't. He shut down McDavid when McDavid couldn't shut down him. Like, there's a certain level of, and again, this we're talking about the upper elite echelon, 1% of the best 1% in the world at their jobs, and I'm sure that's what drives the guys. So uh, it was good of Miller to join us on the road, too, because he had countless better things to do with his time. Yeah, I, I was laughing when he called it screen time for the guys. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's a dad. Nice. He's 30. He's got three kids. He knows yeah. what screen time. <laughs> he knows he, he chastises it. his teammates <laughs> the same way he does his kids probably with phone times. Like, get yeah. off the phone. You have too much screen time. Yep, that's yeah, that's it. I'm Twain, looking at you, Neil. Guys, we're killing this penalty or we're taking your iPads Wait, your 20 minutes are up. Get off the iPad. <laughs> we better kill this another penalty. Wiggles video. <laughs> Was that to the kids or that to the players? And eat your dinner. I I might be projecting here from my (laughs) earlier days. Okay. Uh, We've got a lot more to get to. Quinn Hughes seems like he would be like the fussy eater of the group, right? Yeah. Quinn, Quinn, you didn't touch your broccoli again. Yeah. Quinn's like, I like grilled cheese sandwiches. Although, uh, I was watching one of those. He's cooking more now. Yeah, Yeah, he is. I was watching one of those vignettes. Yeah, he's growing up. He's growing up. The Canucks are delivering content on (laughs) the daily. So the other one I learned. What are you cooking, uh, Quinn? Uh, He said he really got Grilled cheese sandwiches. (laughs) He said he... So I put the cheese in the sandwich. I'm using a panini maker now, though. Yeah. Well, no. So he said he learned a lot about cooking during COVID, which is hilarious because um, having been around a lot of NHL players throughout the courses of our careers and all the different stops that we've had, and then seeing some of them, like some of them take their diets really seriously, right? Yeah. Uh, Zidane Chara quite famously Basically went, I don't know if he went full vegan, but he was a vegetarian. Well, the Sanines, they'd have like a lick of ice cream for dessert. Exactly. Once every six months. They're like, all right, it's time for that biannual lick of ice cream. Like they were super disciplined, right? Yeah. Then there are other guys. Like Johnny Gaudreau's diet Mm -hmm. was basically ham and cheese sandwiches every day of his life. (laughs) Johnny Ham and Cheese was his nickname, right? Phil Kessel. I don't like water. Phil Kessel. If this is enough Diet Coconut, I'll be very, very angry. <laughs> so the anecdote with Phil Kessel is he did not like water, just in general. Still doesn't. Right. And like he, and then there was always the jokes that his water bottle would be filled with Diet Coke, and he just didn't care for the taste of water. He didn't like water, period. It, like, he didn't like it. That's a guy that probably doesn't have the greatest diet on the planet, right? And it's just funny to see how different it can become within NHL circles, because you just assume. You're like, well, you're... A, a highly paid professional athlete. Yeah. You would think that your entire life is dedicated to the ultimate peak fitness and everything. You drink water, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nope. Basic questions like, do you consume H2O? And he's like, no, no, of not sorts, for me. Of yeah. sorts? Not for me. There's no water in Diet Coke. No, thank you. Uh, Gunner from Kelowna, what we learned, I learned that after years of not being a JT Miller fan, I have gained some respect for him from both the interview and also him holding restraint in dropping the gloves to Hammer McDavid. Funny how winning changes people. Yeah, JT Miller, his stock is super high right now, and so are the Canucks. Uh, They're in action this week, tomorrow, 
against the Ottawa Senators. They're, they're going to practice today in Ottawa. They're going to hit the ice in about an hour and a half. Saturday, they're in Toronto to play the Leafs. Sunday, they're in Montreal to play the Habs. And then they return home. And I think this is going to be a real interesting one against Bo Horvat and the New York Islanders. Get your What We Learns into the Dunbar Lumber text line. I'm smirking right now because there's lots of funny uh, stuff coming through the Dunbar Lumber text line at 656. Well, I don't know. doing a good job. Hopefully we'll have some time to uh, read those texts because uh, Manny's going to join us next. Yes, Manny Viveros, the head coach of the Vancouver Giants, is coming up next. We are also going to do What We Learns. We are also going to give away a pair of tickets to SmackDown. That's all coming up next on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Big opinions and good bets. It's the People's Show with Bick Nazar. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Lipinski across one timer. Robert scores. Right off the faceoff, he let that one rip. It was a snapshot one-timer, and yet, oh boy, that had a lot of velocity. His third of the season, it's a 4-3 Giants lead. 8.30 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate dealer today. We are in Hour 3 of the program. Manny Viveros, the head coach of the Vancouver Giants, who are in action tonight against the Red Deer Rebels. Wednesday, November 8th, that is tonight, 7 o'clock at the Langley Events Center. Uh, Hour 3 of this program is brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. As mentioned, joining us now on the Halford & Bruff Show, head coach of the Giants, Manny Viveros, here on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Manny. How are you? Good morning, guys. I'm doing well, thanks. Uh, we are going to begin with a nod to our producer and a regular frequenter of the Vancouver Giants, Greg Ballack. He is the goalie expert. So we're going to start with Brett Merwald. Tell us more about your starting goalie. 41 saves on 43 shots in last Sunday's win over Kamloops, a 921 save percentage over the last seven starts. What do our listeners need to know about Brett Merwald? Well, you just... Uh... You know, a real pleasant surprise from from uh, myself and, and our organization. Uh, you know, Brett was so, someone who came in here last year and uh, earned himself a spot as a as a, a backup goalie last year, and then and just kind of uh, continued, uh, you know, with that progress and, and development over the summer, and uh, certainly won the job as, as our number one goaltender here too. So this is something that's uh, not new for him as being a number one goaltender in the Western League, but how much he's matured over that this past season and developed under the tutelage of uh, Paul Frick has been amazing. He's been he's been a backbone for us. What does the maturation of a young goalie look like? Is it technical? Is it mental? What what does it look like? You know, guys, I think it's all of the above. When you look at uh, the most difficult position to play uh, in, in the game, it's 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 really everything like that. It's just so much of the game nowadays about technique, and but for the most part, I think if anything with these young athletes, and doesn't matter what level it is, it's your mental preparation and your desire to get better and, and do well on a daily basis. And that's for me is the biggest uh, uh, thing I've seen from from Brett so far is just his ability to to stay calm no matter uh, the circumstances of the game, whether he's given up a goal 
goal, uh, or if you know he's getting barrage with, with shots, he's, he's always seems to be in an even keel, even manner, and that's something that rubs off on our group, especially with the young group that we have here. It, having that calmness back there uh, certainly helps. Manny, this is something we were we were talking about uh, earlier on the show and have for a while. Um, how do you prepare a team for things to go wrong? Does that, is that, does that make sense? Like when, when you're preparing your team, obviously you want things to go right. You're like, okay, guys, we've got to start out. We're going to do these things. But how do you prepare a team for things to go wrong? Because they inevitably will go wrong. I think you just have to embrace the adversity more than anything. Like, like I totally agree with you guys. It's 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 going to happen. Uh, you know, sometime uh, throughout a game or throughout uh, a stretches where things aren't going to go your way, and, and that's the biggest thing. And I think before I'm a firm believer, uh, before you can win, you have to go through adversity. I think the uh, true sign of a good hockey club and the buildup of the team or the culture of the team, um, you can't be perfect all the time, and it does. You see it at the National Hockey League level uh, of, of you know the, the best teams are able to handle that and get through those times without actually leaving a major scar within the group and that's that's a big thing but um, as far as adversity I, I embrace it I think it's important for the team to go through different times and a lot of time from a coaching perspective is that you get your, your the attention of the team when things don't go well and that's when you get the attention that's when your your major teaching points and, and, and uh, development points are able to be really stressed. Hey, speaking of uh, preparing for things, preparation in general, you guys are 2-0 and in shootouts this season. How much time do you spend prepping for the skills competition? Like, Do you guys practice it often? Are you always reevaluating who your shooters are going to be? Is this something you go over with the goalies with in great detail? Or is it like, ah, just go out there and try and score and try and make a save? No, we'll do that periodically through the season. Um, we'll uh, have little competitions to see who's uh, you know, more adept as far as uh, – uh, or, or more skilled in a certain area on the penalty shots, but we've been fortunate enough that we've been uh, kind of running with the same guys, and we've had success doing it too. So, but we certainly do have a small book on it. Um, you know, we've been fortunate enough that we haven't had to go deep into our lineup as far as uh, penalty shots, but it's uh, something that we certainly do keep a, a, a small book on. And sometimes you just go with the hot hand too. Someone's being real hot and, and you know playing well that game, had some created some good scoring opportunities, or maybe had a goal. Or two, we certainly look to put them in. Uh, ask a follow up on that question as it pertained to the year you spent in Edmonton on the bench as an assistant coach. Because at the NHL level, like points are at such a premium, and that third point can often be a deciding factor for whether teams make the playoffs or not. Now, I imagine in Edmonton, the answer was like, yeah, just let Connor and Leon shoot. They'll be good at it. But <laughs> how much prep does it go in at the professional level where every single point is such high stakes that the shootout does become a really important factor? Well, a lot of that work is done, especially even more so at the, probably at the NHL level. This is a real uh, book you have on the opposition's goaltender uh, with this to sit as far as, uh, you know, their, what their record is in shootouts and stuff like that, too. And that's something that, you know, we we not as in-depth as NHL level, but we do keep stats as far as our, uh, what these guys are doing in those type of situations also, too. But every point's valuable. And even at our league, we're the same, you know, as far as the, the, the playoff setup is the same in, in the Western Hockey as NHL. So every single point is valuable uh, in October and November just as much as it is at the uh, you know middle of March so that's something for us that uh, you get in those situations you need to 
you certainly need to make sure that you're, you're prepared and, and hopefully have the right guys in the right places. Uh, we are speaking to Vancouver Giants head coach Manny Viveros here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. The Giants host the Red Deer Rebels tonight, 7 o'clock from the Langley Events Center. Okay, so speaking of Red Deer, Manny, it's a team that you don't see all that often. What kind of game do you and the Giants expect from Red Deer this evening? Well, what we've seen so far on tape from these guys, they're uh, you know they're a physical team that's going to come at you. They, they move quite well. They got some team speed, and uh, they've uh, they're a physical team that will come at you here. So that's something that, that we seem to uh, you know embrace a, a physical style a style of game, and uh, you know those those teams that we've seen so far on tape, um, you know the, the eastern teams or the central teams have given all the teams out in the west coast here some difficulty here. So um, it's, it's just one of those years that maybe their that level over there is a little bit higher, and that's something that we have to be prepared for here. So it's something that we've got to be uh, if we're going to get points tonight. Uh, friendly reminder, it is the Giants hosting Red Deer tonight, 7 o'clock from the Langley Event Center. Visit the Giants website for more, including tickets. Manny, thanks for doing this this morning. We really appreciate it. Best of luck tonight. I'm sure we'll be doing this again soon. Thanks, guys. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Thank you. Manny. Appreciate it. Manny Viveros, head coach of the Vancouver Giants here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet. 650. Okay, so we're going to dip right into the Dunbar Lumber text line and print out some submission for what we learned. Adog is going to announce the winner of the tickets in just a moment. Are you ready to go right now, Adog? No, because I'm going to tell everybody oh, okay. that what we learned, Humanoid Edition, is brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit them online at getfireplan.com. Oh my God! We're happy! Andy, it is now time to announce the winner of Wednesday's draw for a pair of tickets to see WWE SmackDown on January 5th. That is a Friday at Rogers Arena. Sure. Uh, Ticket emoji, what we learned. The Canucks, hashtag the start, has stone cold stunned the league. Three bad losses to Vancouver, tombstone the Oilers' confidence, and Wave and Campbell is just one more step on their way to rock bottom. A Sharks win on Thursday will bring joy to mankind and push Woodcroft over the razor's edge. Can I get a woo and some WWE tickets, please? Colton. I like that one, Colton, because he really ran the gamut. He ran different eras. Mankind was a good earlier pull. That's good. See, it doesn't take that much, folks. All you got to do is just be a little creative as opposed to sending in the hashtag WWO with a ticket emoji and then no other information. Yeah. You tell them to be creative, but then yeah. we pick the same Mad Lib style winner every uh, show. You know what? <laughs> no, sometimes people will tell a sob story and we'll give them tickets. That's right. That's the other one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry, I forgot. Uh, what we learned from Dylan, I learned that Edmonton is going to win the draft lottery again. <laughs> oh. I don't think it's going to get to that point. Do you think the Oilers are going to make the playoffs? Right now, right now. Yes. Yeah, I think David's just going to go off. I do too. I mean, hope to be wrong. Hope to be wrong again. Been wrong a lot. This what if they miss? What's the follow going to be like? Oh Woodcroft's God. gone. Well, Holland's gone. Holland's already gone. gone. No, yeah, yeah. no. You got to ask the question. Drysaddle. That would that this Drysaddle might not extend. Well, this the, the, that would be the summer, right? Yeah, and but then Connor McDavid would ask for a trade, but only after <laughs> Leon Drysaddle decided he didn't want to stay. Uh, Norm, with what we learned, I learned that the Oilers and and their well it says games maybe media are still delusional about their team. Yes, the goalies are bad, but Darnell Nurse or Ekholm is their number one defenseman. He's a number two pairing at best. Defensively, yeah, and I, and I think it's also just like the DNA of the team. 
Who's their shutdown guy? People are coming for Darn Arrow Nurse right now. Like, he is under a lot of fire and a lot of scrutiny. My poor Hamilton friend. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's been a polarizing lightning rod figure really ever since he signed the contract, right? And even before then. But now you look at it and, like, if I was to, if you were to say who's going to be the most important defenseman on the team, I'd say I think it's Eckholm, but it's they, got, it should be, nurse, but it should though. be Nurse. Like Nurse needs to play better and be better. But if you're, if I, I don't know, if you had some weird thing where you could only take one defenseman, one forward, and a goalie, I'd be like, I'm taking Eckholm. JD the jerk with what we learned. I learned that the key to Seattle sec, success, sex success last nah. season was obviously Carson Susie. Yep. I've liked Susie in his role with the Canucks. And I think it's worth noting that he's playing pretty much the same minutes that he played in Seattle. Yeah. Like he's not, he hasn't been a top four defenseman for the Canucks. No. He, I think he's perfect for his role. My read on when they like signed get him, him out there on the PK, he's got a, he's got a good stick. He can be physical. Um, he's actually added some more offense than I expected. Way more. He's got five points in 10 games. He's on pace for 41 points this year. He's He's been good. Like my concern was that the Canucks were going to force him because they paid him this contract, because they gave him term. They're going to be like, you're a top four guy, whether you're ready for it or not. And remember? I think they've handled it really well. And obviously the ability to play Quinn Hughes 25 minutes a night takes pressure off the other two left shots below him. They don't have to play 20 minutes a night. Do you remember my take on this when they signed him? I was like, if you can get Carson Soucy to deliver exactly what he did in Seattle last yeah. year, which is be a third-pair defenseman that plays every night. He played 78 of 82 games, chips in with some points every now and again, and can help you get to the playoffs, Like, sign me up all day for that. Now, Soucy's offense this year has taken a notable uptick. He's already a third of the way to his basically his point total from last year. I don't know if that's sustainable because I think some of these numbers – the offensive video game numbers that the Canucks are putting up are going to come back to earth. But, you know, if Susie gives you... Got a cheat code and Quinn Hughes, though. Susie did score 10 goals one year. I don't expect that this year. But if he can give you 25 points, right, that would be great. That's found money from a from. I don't offensive even think play. about points, though. I know, but I'm just Susie, talking right? about the box, the, the counting stats, right? But the important thing is that he is a regular contributing member of your defense on that third pair, and you're a playoff team, it's basically what he did in Seattle last year. You'd take it in a heartbeat. Uh, Gonzo in Delta, what we learned. That's a weird one. I learned that former Seattle Seahawks Earl Thomas, his his ex-wife's boyfriend, was yes. arrested for impersonating Earl and being accused of stealing money and his cars. Did you see this? Identity theft is not a joke, Jim. Um, yeah, so a New Orleans man... <laughs> pretended to be former NFL player Earl Thomas. And the relationship is that the accused, Kevin J. Thompson, mm -hmm. pretending to be Earl Thomas, here's where it gets confusing. Thompson. Is, <laughs> is, Your name is Homer Thompson. <laughs> no, it's Earl Thomas. I think he's talking to you. Earl sorry. <laughs> Kevin Thompson, who is pretending to be Earl Thomas, is in a relationship with Earl Thomas's ex-wife, Nina Thomas. Okay. She is from New Orleans, which is where Kevin Thompson, who is pretending to be Earl Thompson, no, Thomas, is from. Oh. It's a very confusing story. Who shot what with the where now? <laughs> now, I'll say this. Uh, ever since leaving the National Football League, uh, Earl Thomas's personal life has been checkered, to put it mildly. And uh, this, I mean, I don't know how much of how much involvement.
his identity, but um, <laughs> it is the boyfriend of his ex-wife, so he's got some connection to it. Right. Uh, it's just a very bizarre story. That's a hassle. So here's um, quote. This is one of the. This is from the. This is from Nola, the New Orleans uh, paper online. Uh, Thompson used a driver's license with Thomas's photo, but the NFL player's information to create a phony bank account and then transfer vehicle titles into his name. It included a blue Rolls Royce SUV that he drove to the bank, where he was then arrested for identity fraud and identity theft. So that's that story. Uh, Marcus and Gibson's what we learned. Kadri and Huberto's contracts are so putrid, yet Treliving seem to seems to have gotten off scot free. I'd be worried if I were a Leafs fan, especially with Nylanders and others coming up for extensions. Well, what yeah. are you gonna, what are you going to do? You're going to go ask Brad Treliving about a team he doesn't work for. I mean, he's not going to. Well, I would be worried if I'm a, I'm a Leafs fan though. Right now, I'd be worried for a number of. Like, reasons. I don't like any of the moves that he made. Um, I did like the Bertuzzi move, and I still think it was a good move. No, you liked the Max Domi move. I remember you thinking that was a good move, and I'm like, Max Domi, come on. I remember thinking that I liked the way that Domi played in Dallas last year in the playoffs when they picked him. He's a useful contributor, right? But there's a reason he's bounced around all the time, right? Okay, but hold on. My line of thinking was, if you're going to do this thing where you're going to add toughness to the team, it needs to be in a form where these guys can play in your top six or top nine, but also play regular minutes. You can't just attach on a toughness hitch. And that's where Ryan Reeves is. And that's what they did before, right? It's like, well, we need toughness. Uh, Let's go get, I don't know, Wayne Simmons or Kyle Clifford. But the problem is, is those guys can't play. And that's the problem they have with Reeves right now. Mm -hmm. You can't justifiably put him in the lineup every night. He can't play with regularity. The idea with Domi and Bertuzzi was, yeah, they can play. They can provide sandpaper while being contributing members of the team. The problem is that it hasn't worked out at all. They just look like bad fits. So this Canucks team is going to play in Toronto on Saturday. So for people that only watch the Canucks, and I know there's a lot of people out there like that, and that's fine, but you're going to see this Toronto team, and I'm curious to see how they handle all the firepower of the Canucks because their issue right now is defensive. Can't keep the puck out of the net. And and goaltending, right? It goes hand in. It's like Edmonton. So So Austin Matthews has like... 13 goals he's already had a couple hat tricks you know like it he is playing at a very high level but it's almost like the old Leafs where they were more run and gun because you know a lot of people kept on thinking like the Leafs are bad defensively the Leafs are bad defensively no they weren't they actually you know Mike Babcock for all his faults actually instilled in them a pretty good defensive system. And there's a reason that goalies like Jack Campbell were able to go there and thrive mm-hmm. and put up good save percentages. Then you go to Edmonton where they don't have that defensive DNA and he, and he struggles. But I think they're losing that a bit just because there's been so much attrition on their blue line. Klingberg is almost unplayable in his own end right now. And they don't have Lil Jagrin. Uh, TJ Brody's getting a little bit older. You know, Mark Giordano's on, what, is he 40? He's 40. Right? Like, they don't they, they don't have Sandine anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin Hole, who got a lot of criticism last year, and rightly so for some, some of his play, especially in the playoffs. Um, like, he's not there anymore. Like so killing th- in Detroit. Yeah, but, like, their blue line is going to need a fix, Okay, and and if and if you're true living, you're like, well, well how am I going to do that? 
Okay, speaking of the goaltending, and I know we touched on this earlier, and I'll, I'll ask Laddie to get involved in the conversation. How do you handle the next three games if you're Rick Tockett and Ian Clark and the Vancouver Canucks? Because you've got Ottawa tomorrow, you've got the Maple Leafs on Saturday, then you go back-to-back and you've got the Habs on Sunday. We threw out the idea of going DeSmith, Demko, DeSmith here. I do wonder if that's what they might do. Because, look, Demko's been brilliant. I think he's the team MVP. He's played a lot. I'm just terrified of burning him out. I am very much concerned about overplaying him at this stage of the game. Counter-argument? Do you really want to take a guy when he's on a heater and be like, okay, now only play one of three? I don't know. But I I, I was going back and forth. I was When we were doing the notes last night, I'm like, what would I do? I think I'd go DeSmith against Ottawa and then give Demko the Saturday night game against Toronto and then go back to DeSmith. Yeah, I think that's probably what they probably will do, right? Yeah. And it sounds crazy because mm-hmm. you would say, no. So, sorry, did you say DeSmith or Demko for the Ottawa game? DeSmith. Mm, I think they'll go Demko. I think they will yeah, go yeah, Demko, I but I think I would go DeSmith. Yeah, I, that's what I'd be tempted to do, too. Because when I was when we had that MVP conversation. Like, I, take advantage of the time when you can give Demko some rest. Right. I when we went back and when we did that MVP conversation, I went and looked at the numbers, and I was actually kind of a little taken aback at how much Demko has played in terms of NHL goalies. Like he's second in the league in shots faced. He's fifth in well, time on ice. That was the point I was going to make. It's not just the games played; it's the shots that he's facing. He had forty-two shots last game. That's not a normal game for an NHL goaltender. Which again, I got my mind grapes going. It's like, do you just give an extra couple days rest and not let him? the map on this one the Canucks give up a lot of shots though like we've talked about it right 30 plus most nights that's yeah. that's a heavy workload for a guy like them go i like this text breath saying how will the leafs handle the firepower of the canucks how do we get here well, it's true but it doesn't feel real still none of this feels real what universe are we in yeah like i you know it's usually it's the other way around well i was joking the other day on twitter not x that the canucks could finish the season 79 two and one and i'd be like is this team for real like are yeah, we like i don't trust them i'm not sure are we really gonna well, do it this year remember or? when rutherford scoffed at Drance saying it would take five years to get to this point? Well, mm-hmm. said me. One or two. <laughs> he was right. I mean, the classic analogy is Lucy pulling away the football from Charlie Brown, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> is, this is, <laughs> all I will say is this, will, this would be a hell of a move from Lucy if she pulls the football away again. The way the Canucks have started. Didn't see it coming, but maybe we should have. <laughs> we yeah, well, Lucy's we'd thing. all be like, we saw it coming, and yet we still ran up and tried to kick that football. Uh, this, this time we'll kick it. This time <laughs> we'll kick it. Uh, Chris and Nanaimo. Hash- you know what? He should have kicked her eventually. <laughs> that right? wasn't Charlie Brown's way. <laughs> right? Charlie Brown was a good boy. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. Um, Chris from Got Dark, N- really quickly. Yeah, Jesus. Chris Ruff is bringing that out. God. <laughs> Peanuts was such a wholesome strip. Uh, Chris from Nanaimo, hashtag WWL, what we learned. What I learned is I can't help but think it would be awesome if the San Jose Sharks claim Jack Campbell and then he turns around and lays the smackdown on the Oilers on Thursday. Go, Sharks, go. That was an effort to win the tickets. Chris, you did not win the tickets, but I love the idea of San Jose doing the funniest thing imaginable and being like, Jack Campbell. And you know what? Knowing how do you predict Jack Campbell, it would probably work. He would probably have success there. I know? did have it in the notes <laughs> if that's a must-win game for the Oilers. And oh, I know, of course. Of course if they lose to the Sharks. Like, if they yeah. lose to the Sharks, does Woodcroft get to coach the next game? Does he want to? Could he, he's, he's like, I'm an, done with you guys. Another game like, hire me. Uh, here's an unsigned what we learned. I didn't think I'd be so invested in Sharks versus Oilers game 12 uh, into the season. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, it, we're all going to be watching that. 
We're going to be watching the Canucks. Well, so it's going to go Canucks, Canucks, Canucks Sens, and then the Oilers Sharks. Canucks at 4 o'clock, and then right. Sharks Oilers at 7.30 because it's in San Jose, so mm-hmm. not the later start time. That's the – I am – so I know you said you didn't think it was that interesting because no, – it's the Clash of the Titans. That's how the they two got a, worst teams in the NHL. That's how they got a market. Head to head, like I was joking in the break. Oh, I, the I, NHL I, should lean into it. I know I, what you were saying. I said I don't think the Sharks are that interesting. The Oilers are far more interesting than the Sharks. The Sharks, to me, are interesting because they, this team can get worse. When they start selling off the likes of Anthony Duclair, who apparently is the solution in Calgary. Remember when that came up? Yeah, that's Spec mentioned yeah. that one. When they start selling these pieces off, I, I hope they get worse. I need to see the all-time worst team in the NHL. In my lifetime, it'd be fun, I think. Not necessarily for the Sharks, but fun for me on a personal level. Yeah, good for the Canucks, too. Yeah, that's true. Just in the division. Just play, eat play those points. Yeah. Okay, uh, it's been a fun show. Thank you all for listening. Thanks to all of our guests for joining, including JT Miller, all the way from Ottawa. Uh, but for now, we got to go. We will be back tomorrow. Signing off, I have been Mike Alford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been A-Dog, and he's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.